0: Chapter 2 And My question to you is What makes Christmas special? Now I know the answer is Jesus Right? But just be For real What makes Christmas special to you? could be a lot of different things I remember As a kid I was I think five or six years old and my parents, traditional American parents, would have a tree. They taught us about Santa Claus um, and there's presents under the tree. Tons of presents. I mean, for my five, six-year-old mind, it's like there's like a million presents under there. You see the one that says Chris on it and, you know, you're allowed to touch the presents, you can't open them. And, like, shaking, right and feeling weight and and all these different factors and you're so excited and i i, I that year i think i asked them we're like a nintendo nintendo entertainment system came out like a year or two before i was this age i'm dating myself a little bit and then it was expensive so i wasn't oh, totally sure but i knew my parents they like, loved me and, of course, love means giving me whatever I want, right? So I'm feeling it. And that, that night, Christmas Eve, I could not sleep hardly at all. So I was like, man, I hope I get a Nintendo. I am so excited. <coughs> My life will be transformed and I'll love it. And that morning, I think we eat breakfast. But, the, you know, I was not hungry. I just wanted to open the presents, right? Maybe he had this experience as well as a kid.
1: And I got it, and it was amazing. Unwrapped
0: it, Nintendo Entertainment System. I played Duck Hunt right next to that screen. (laughs) We got all those ducks. I played Mario, just loved it. So fun. And maybe that's kind of the expectation, right, and that uh, desire of getting something and you receive it. Now, as an adult, you know, we have nostalgia for those times, right, as an adult. Or maybe you still get those presents, I don't know. I just get socks. They're actually really happy when they get socks. So most of my socks have holes in them. So I don't have the same like desires for things, but I have that nostalgia for when it was like that. And also seeing my own children, they're excited because my, my kids asked me the same thing. Somebody brought a present for them. They asked me yesterday. We opened the presents. No, you gotta wait till Christmas day. Building that sense of exciting excitement, expectation. And that's, that's a big part of I think what makes Christmas special and what that is is instilling that desire of hope hope and this is what Jesus brings that's what makes Christmas amazing because Jesus brings hope into our lives (coughs) big hope hopes hopes that we hopes for things that we dreams that are broken right or desires that we have to get married or have kids or uh, live well, or do well at your job. Jesus is the answer to all those hopes. And that's what Advent's all about. Now maybe, like me, I grew up in a very non denominational church we never celebrated Advent. So if you were like me, I want to talk just a little bit about what Advent is. Advent means, it's a Latin word that means, Adventus means arrival, or coming. That's what Advent means, and it's a it's a tradition we've kind of had at CIC almost since the beginning. So I think it's really important to spend extra time on this season because it go it does go by so fast, doesn't it? And I don't I I'm happy that we sang a Christmas carol this week, and as the weeks come, we will sing more and more of them. Because it seems like if you just do it on Christmas Eve or the week before, you kind of miss out on, on all that buildup and all that excitement and all that joy. And that's what So we celebrate Advent, which is four weeks. It started in the fourth century. So an old tradition. And it's, it's a looking back. Looking back at the birth of Jesus, right? The Ogalina. You're looking back at his birth. But it's also a looking forward to his second coming, right? Because Jesus will come back and take all his people with him to be with him forever. So the looking back and it's looking forward, usually there's four weeks leading up to uh, going through Advent, which are hope, peace, joy, and love. And today we're talking about Hope. Hope is the first week of Advent. And we're going to talk about hope this morning. So if you've found your way to Matthew chapter 2, let's read some of it. <coughs> now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he... And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Amen. So hope is a critical thing that we need as human beings to survive. Just like food and water. If you have no hope, your soul will will shrivel and perish. Because life has good times. Good times you don't need hope so much. But when you have bad times, when you're going through trouble, when you're going through difficulty when you're going through heartache, when you're going through loss, you absolutely need hope to survive. Otherwise, you will be caught in them. You'll never be released from whatever that is you're struggling with. Life is hell without hope. And hell itself is a place without hope. Because those who die and go to hell, they have no hope of salvation at that point. Life is hell without it, and hell is a place without it. And hope can help us endure so much. So my big idea this for this Advent series on hope is that <coughs> Jesus gives hope that cannot be destroyed. Jesus gives hope that cannot be destroyed. So first of all, Jesus gives us reason to hope, right? They were looking; people were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the king, the anointed one. Messiah just means anointed one or king. So they were looking for them. There's, there's prophecies throughout the Old Testament that talk about there's going to be a Messiah, a savior coming for the people of Israel to save them. And they were thinking, and they were poor, they were oppressed. Just like in Nehemiah's time, they were oppressed by the, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire before that after the Persian Empire was the uh, the the Greek Empire and now they're under the Romans so they haven't really had a break way since Nehemiah when she finished before that up until this time they are taxed heavily they are struggling they are impoverished things are not going great for them and these magi Right, the word in, in Greek is magi. The, we translate it as wise men. These were these people. They wanted to experience this hope. They were Jewish, right? These were these were Jews, likely in Persia, right? You know, when the the Persian Empire during Nehemiah's time, there were Jews who went to Jerusalem, right? There was many who did not, who stayed, and probably even after the fall of the Persian Empire, they still stayed. But they were Jews, because they were looking for the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. And they wanted to experience this hope, and God had must have had spoken to them. Because it's many miles, thousands of miles from Susa right to Jerusalem. Walking, right? Maybe by camel as the pictures depict in the nativity scenes. And they, they saw a star. They, God must have revealed to them something. And there is a prophecy that the Messiah was coming. Right? And they listened to that prophecy and they obeyed. And they saw this star. They weren't just going to sit on the sun and say, let's see what happens. We're going. Let's get on our camels and let's go. They wanted to see for themselves. If you look at some verses, like if you look at Numbers 22, for example, it talks about a star rising out of the east. So just to give you a reference for it, I'm not going to read, it's a a long passage. But it talks about a star coming out of Jacob where the Messiah will be born. Coming out of the people of Israel. So the Magi asked, they're like, okay, we're here. We made it to Jerusalem. Let's go find the king, the king of the Jews. And they assume, of course, everyone's excited and waiting. We're all in expectation. A game-changing moment. Like, this could be, this, could, this will change everything about our suffering, about our difficulty. But no. just read the passage. They're not looking for them. In fact, when they heard about this, it says all of Jerusalem was scared. They were upset. They were not happy. And Herod asked, the religious leaders out of fear like where is he where is he going to be born Because this is a problem because herod thinks i'm the king of the jews i'm the king of the jews there's no competition for me right he lies to the He come back and i worship no if you read on he ends up murdering all the children in that region because he doesn't want any competition and why do you think this is why do you think they weren't excited because they were afraid they had positions of power and authority they were living the good life they were on top your religious leaders they had better houses they were not suffering they were kind of in because with the romans somewhat right because not only did they they heavily enforced giving and then the, the religious would give some to the romans but they're living the good life right they're when you're on top life is good and Jesus would come and upset that. No matter what hope he brought, like, we don't want to change what we have. So they resisted. The religious leaders would probably be, would have been happy if Herod had killed him. Right? So the Magi's are, the Magi were looking for hope, but the religious leaders f- feared it. They feared this hope. The Magi had their hope fulfilled. And rewarded, the religious leaders had their fears fulfilled, because he did live. He did oppose them throughout his earthly ministry, and confounded them and humiliated them, because they had it all wrong about Jesus. And the men were full of joy, because they had their hope rewarded. Like the same as I was when I got the Nintendo, I, my hope was rewarded. I was I hoped in it, and it came. The problem is for us is that we sometimes are afraid to hope. Because what if it doesn't go the way we want to? What if that hope is not rewarded? Because the opposite of hope is fear. So we kind of hedge our bets, we downplay it, because hope is scary, right? It may not be fulfilled soon, or at all. And you may get tired. of asking for the same thing. I've told maybe this story before, but my wife and I, we struggled with infertility for 10 years through cycles of hope and despair and fear. And you you know what really got tiresome with that life group saying the same thing every week, right? Because it's like it's clearly not happening. And maybe you feel that way, what what you're hoping for in your small group or in your friend group. is like, I'm just going to say something different because I'm tired of saying the same thing. And yes. God answered our prayer, we have two beautiful children we're so happy and grateful. But in those moments when you're not sure, not on the other side yet, right? It seems terrifying because you're not sure we're afraid. But we as believers, like the Magi, in Christ, our hopes will be rewarded. Our hopes will be rewarded, whatever they are. If they're in the in, they align with God's will. Right? if you hope for like four Ferraris, like that I'm not sure if that's, that's going to be fulfilled or not in this life.
1: Because God always
0: answers prayer. Hope is connected intimately with prayer. And God answers a couple different ways. He says yes, he says no, he says later. Yes, no, or later. And if you're listening in, he will, he will connect that to you. He will show you what, what the answer is. And for us, there's a lot of later. You know, it sometimes felt like a no. We're trying to have children. And this is not just like a God's will thing, but I think prayer moves God, right? Prayer, if you pray and you seek Him, right? It says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, it says in in the King James. It has power. So don't fear hope, pursue hope, pray for those hopes. You might have hopes for the day, hopes for the week, hopes for the months, hope for the year. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Amen? All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. They find their yes in Jesus. So God gives us reason to hope. Secondly, Jesus gives the solution to our greatest hope. Right? Israel was hoping for a king; they were hoping for some warrior king to come and cut down the Roman Empire. Even though know they failed God's rules, as we talk about in Nehemiah, right? They hope for freedom from Rome, taxes, oppression. But Jesus over-delivered His promise. Right? The people wanted an earthly kingdom, but Jesus gives an eternal kingdom, which endures. Israel wanted economic salvation, but Jesus gives eternal salvation, forever salvation, spiritual salvation. Because we failed. Our, the biggest issue that they didn't see is that is us. We failed God. We could not keep his laws, just like Nehemiah's people couldn't. We're no better than they were. We could not keep them in our own strength because we sinned by nature and by choice. But Jesus came as a baby to save his people. He was born. He became flesh. God became flesh among us. He lived a perfect life. So if anybody deserved heaven, it was Jesus. He lived it. He obeyed God's rules. He obeyed all God's commands, all the 612 laws of Moses. He obeyed them perfectly. He deserved heaven, yet he sacrificed himself. He was a substitute. God needs to punish sin because sin is worthy of punishment. Sin is offensive. It's saying, I'm God. God is not God. And we deserve separation from God forever in hell. That is what we deserve. But Jesus came and said, no, I will take the punishment. I will take the, 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 their, their sin. I will absorb that punishment. I will substitute myself in their place, in Christ's place. I deserve to be on that cross, right? But Jesus said, I will take the cross. I will endure God's punishment and wrath and the physical and the spiritual agony that we all deserve in hell. That's what hell is. And Jesus said, I will take all that on myself. So he absorbs our punishment onto himself, on the cross, physically and spiritually, because God turned his face away and poured out his wrath, his anger for sin on Jesus instead of us. Therefore, everyone who believes in Jesus as their Savior and Lord is clean from all sin. You are... Clean. If you believe in Jesus, you are clean. You are cleansed. You are perfect. You are pure before him. You are now his son His God. Because he looks at us and sees the perfect life of Jesus. Looks at Christ. Not what I've done or what I'm doing or what I will do. He sees Jesus in me. Perfect. So we are saved from hell. We have a restored relationship with him. And his resurrection proves that the sacrifice was honored, right? And because of that, it's also a hope that we will have eternal life with him forever. Right? Israel wanted a meaningful life. But Jesus gives us so much more. He gives us eternal life. The wise men understood this. Right? He's more than a can because they worshipped him right? anyone but, but God has that blasphemy. that's blasphemy. It's, it's, it's evil to worship somebody who's not God, but they worship because they knew he was God in the flesh. So if we believe, ladies and gentlemen, we have eternal hope. Life is short and it's busy and not every hope in this life can be truly fulfilled. Right? Even if you got everything you wanted, you'd still want more. That's how God made us. God made us for eternity, He says. This is not all there is. So in heaven, all hopes, even if you had hopes that were not fulfilled in this life, they will all be fulfilled in Jesus in heaven. Because heaven is not a place where you're a baby playing a harp. No, heaven, is, you'll be yourself free from sin and there'll be opportunity to work, to travel, to build relationships, to see God. It won't be boring. It will be wonderful. It will be indescribably, all the things you want in life will be there. All the good things, all the people that you love, your bodies will never age. There'll be spiritual bodies. We all get that hope fulfilled. And even the things in this life that you didn't get, you'll get better. Right? If you weren't able to have kids, you'll something better than kids in heaven. Or maybe there'll be kids who died that you get to help raise. If you never got married, you will you have a chance to... Marriage is designed to point to Jesus in heaven. So you'll get the, the reality, not just the shadow. Marriage is a shadow of the, of the intimacy we have with God. So Jesus in heaven, he fulfills our deepest hope and need and longing. Finally, Jesus gives us hope for the future. So they worshiped him. They gave him gifts. They rejoiced before them, right? With great exceeding joy, it says. When they saw him, how much after when they went back to Persia, the rest of their lives, How do you think that changed and transformed them? Because they understood Jesus. Their their whole lives were changed. Of course, they probably had their own struggles, but they saw their hopes fulfilled. They saw a star, imagine following a star, and it came to the right place. That would not work for most of us. right? But Jesus fulfills that hope. God fulfilled that hope in them. So I'm sure they learned to when they encountered Jesus, they, were, they left different people and the rest of their lives they lived that way. And they could trust God for grace in the future when things were bad and they look back to that moment and say, no, Jesus, God led us by a star to see Jesus and worship him and give him the gifts as a little boy. So I believe, didn't say, but their lives were filled with hope and joy after that. And that's for us too. Right? When we have a restored relationship with God, it's restored and Jesus gave the greatest thing we could ever receive is forgiveness from God. What else will he give us in this life? When Jesus gave the greatest thing. Will he not give us future grace? Right? It says in Romans 8, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? So our lives have meaning and joy and pain because of Jesus. Even the things that are, are difficult, even when you feel your, your hopes are, are a million miles away, God has a purpose and a plan for that, ladies and gentlemen. It says God's tears are stored in his bottle. So every ounce of pain or suffering or fear, he holds on in every joy, every moment of happiness every friendship that you've created here, every relationship, God made that happen for you. So Jesus gives us our greatest hopes. He will also give us lesser hopes, right? For the Christian, our future grows brighter, right? Our future, even though our bodies get older, our hope gets bigger and better and greater in Jesus. So in conclusion, what is your hope for the future? Where do you want to thrive in your relationship with the Lord during this Advent season? Where this is a great time to step back and reflect on your relationship with God. What do you want to be differently? To be different in your life? What do you want to change? How do you want to grow? How do you want to become more like Jesus? How do you want to be spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally restored and renewed? Because Jesus is in the business of restoration and renewal. Because when he comes back, he's going to renew and restore this earth to make it amazing, indescribably. He'll wipe out all evil, wipe out all sin, wipe out all oppression. he's, He's in the business of renewing and restoring. So what do you want to be renewed and restored? says in Isaiah 40 31 but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint that is what Jesus promises amen he uses the supernatural to overcome the natural for when you run you get tired but Jesus uses spiritual power to overcome that I want to be transformed like the magic. I want to live my life completely differently. Even if not all, I have lots of hopes still in my life. Lots of hopes and desires and expectations. And some will be fulfilled in this life, I believe. Maybe some won't. But our lives will all be all our hopes will be fulfilled in heaven. So don't be afraid to hope. Write them down. Share them with people. This is what I want. This is what I need. I want to change in this way. Share them. Pray about it. See what God does. Because God gives us all things that we need to live godly and upright lives, it says. In Philippians 4.19, Ben, if you can come up. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus let's remember that jesus birth gives us reason to hope That jesus gave us the ultimate answer to hope by dying on the cross for our sins that's why he came and that we can trust that he will give us continued answers to our desires and expectations and hope now and in the future we need not fear the future let's pray stand up on our feet Jesus, thank you so much for Advent. Thank you for coming and, and as, a, as a baby and growing up and living perfectly and dying in my place for my sins. I pray for everyone who is not sure about their relationship with you, that you would speak to them right now, mm-hmm. that you would open their hearts, that they would speak to somebody in this church about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus. And to accept Him as our Lord and Savior, and I pray for the rest of us, whatever our hopes are, whatever our desires are, that you, God, would speak to us individually and say that, and tell them that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. And thank you for for heaven; that it's a place that we're all going, where all hopes will be fulfilled, and it'll be a place of joy forever. Help us to remember these things. We love you, Jesus. We ask for us in your great name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship one more song.